الجزيرة بودكاست Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the athletes of the Olympic Winter Games Beijing 2022. When Beijing opened its Winter Olympic Games last year, Chinese President Xi Jinping hosted Russia's Vladimir Putin. Together, they declared that their partnership had no limits. China saying it'll back Russia's foreign policy aims and saying it supports Russian demands that NATO halt its expansion. 20 days later, Putin made another announcement, the invasion of Ukraine. While the West condemned the move, China has stood by its partner, even as the fighting drags on. 365 days of war and the grim toll of human suffering in Ukraine, Russia and beyond keeps rising. Now there are signs that Beijing is considering expanding its support to Russia. But at what price for China? That would be a lot to lose in order to help Russia with its war effort. So could there be limitations to China and Russia's no-limits relationship? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. I'm Katrina Yu, and I am the correspondent for Al Jazeera English based in Beijing, China. Katrina, welcome back. It's always so good to have you here. I know you've been reporting on this topic, so let's just dive right in. Because just weeks before Russia invaded Ukraine, Vladimir Putin met with Xi Jinping in Beijing. As the Winter Olympics got underway in Beijing, President Putin of Russia was the star guest, meeting President Xi Jinping before the official opening. And one of the things that came out of that meeting was this statement in which they said that their partnership had, quote, no limits. What exactly was that supposed to mean? Right. So China and Russia are not allies in the official technical meaning of the word, but they have this partnership. And what does that mean? It means that they're more than just friends. There is an acknowledgement that these two countries have a similar worldview and they have goals that are similar or that complement each other. So what is this shared worldview? Where do they stand on issues? Basically, what they want to see is a world that is reshaped when it comes to the global order. They don't like the fact that right now, if you look at the political landscape internationally, you have the U.S. on top and you have the U.S. allies, Western European countries with a great deal of influence. But there's a great swathe of the international community who don't have their voices heard. But also what they're implying is a global order where the world is not run by Western democracies. And that kind of world order would definitely benefit China and Russia. What is the relationship like between Putin and Xi Jinping? Mm -hmm. I've seen footage of them making dumplings together in China, (laughs) viewing each other's military installations. It seems quite friendly. Chinese President Xi Jinping calling Putin his, quote, best and bosom friend. Yeah, it's a little bit of a bilateral bromance, in a way. 
The two enjoying a leisurely boat ride in St. Petersburg yesterday. The presidents of China and Russia added a touch of panda to their diplomatic talks. Seeing the giant pandas at Moscow Zoo, though, the China had given the pair of pandas to Russia during an earlier visit to symbolize their friendship. President Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin genuinely seem to have this great rapport. They've met 40 times at least. Wow. Vladimir Putin will say that President Xi Jinping is the only state leader that he celebrated his birthday with. <laughs> and there's this very funny, albeit quite awkward, <laughs> video clip of the two, you know, cutting a cake and they're you know, having their own conversation. It would be quite cute. Except, you know, these are two very prominent world leaders. Mm -hmm. And they both have a very power-oriented dictatorship style to their leadership. Do you remember about one year ago how the invasion of Ukraine was reported in China? What do you remember hearing? I think people were just shocked. There was a lot of speculation and a lot of questions. Did Vladimir Putin tell Xi Jinping? Surely he would have told Xi Jinping. I mean, maybe he would have gotten Xi Jinping's blessing before all of this went down. And actually, there was this prevailing argument that Russia is so not beholden to China, but obviously the junior partner in this relationship, that it would have been disrespectful for Vladimir Putin not to run this by President Xi Jinping. But the fact that this has dragged on so long, I think it becomes less likely that there would have been some sort of discussion or agreement between China and Russia that this was the plan to go ahead. So then I think it's safe to say that that relationship and the partnership between the two countries has been put to the test since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Especially given that international sanctions have caused a huge dent in the Russian economy. The economic sanctions leveled against Russia by the U.S. and its allies are the harshest ever handed down. Many retailers have closed their doors as Western companies exit a country waging an illegal war. So how important has China been in filling that gap? China has been hugely important. I think there has been a measure of success in U.S. and Western European efforts to isolate Russia, to turn it into this pariah that nobody wants to do business with, except Russia has, of course, there's no limits, partnership with China. So when you've seen all these other countries, specifically Europe, kind of turn their backs, back away from Russia, China has not only stayed put, it's actually moved forward. It's extended and expanded its trade with Russia, especially when it comes to things that will benefit China. And we're talking here cheap energy. Russia has also become China's top supplier of crude oil. Similar patterns have emerged in natural gas and coal. Russia is a huge provider for China when it comes to oil and gas. And that's something China badly needs. But China is also facing a delicate balance between supporting and benefiting from its Russian partner and getting hit by the same Western sanctions. China has been very, very careful in terms of what it does technically and the language it uses. So China never wants to put itself in a position where it says it's aiding, for example, Russia's war effort, that China has very clearly expanded its trade with Russia. 
We've seen Russia purchase more Chinese goods, Chinese technology, for example, and Russia has become quite dependent on China for that. So as the second largest economy in the world, could sanctions be an even larger risk for China than they are for Russia right now? Absolutely. And I think you've touched on a very clear distinction between Russia and China. For all the similarities that they are between Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin, there is a huge difference in that China is a far more developed economy and China relies on its ability to trade with a lot of these countries that have turned their back on Russia. China needs Europe. China needs the US much more than China needs Russia. So China has to be very careful and It cannot be seen to be breaking these sanctions. That would be way too risky. Opinion is divided as to what extent China is doing that. But officially, China says that it is not crossing that line. And interestingly, I mean, you've said that China needs the U.S. The U.S. also arguably needs China as well. So Mm -hmm. with that in mind, do you ever envision a scenario where the U.S. and its allies could go that step of wanting to sanction Chinese assets and Chinese authorities? I think they're watching very closely. And we had all sorts of accusations from Washington saying that China is considering providing lethal aid. U.S. officials warn Beijing may soon supply weapons to Russia to use in Ukraine. The U.S. government says Russia will run out of serviceable ammunition this year unless they get help. Help the U.S. and NATO say could come from China. Now, China basically rubbished those claims and said that was just a smear, basically hyped-up fiction is what Beijing calls it. But we have also had researchers in the U.S. who have pointed out that there has been trade between Russia and Chinese firms, where Chinese firms are explicitly providing technology that is used in Russian weaponry and Russian helicopters, for example. Now, whether or not you can draw the line and say that this is what Beijing is explicitly and intentionally doing, that's another question. But it does become very blurry as to whether they are breaking sanctions. And Katrina says this threat of international sanctions and isolation comes at a time when China is especially vulnerable. We have to remember that China, for its own part, is not in the best position. It's come out of three years of zero COVID, its economy is slowing. China is reopening again, but the Chinese economy is struggling to bounce back. Beijing faces a revenue shortfall of close to $1 trillion. These are really big problems for China. It's actually trying to reach out to the world community and say, we're still here, we're a responsible partner, we're an alternative to the US. But it's also aligned itself with troublemaker number one in the international community. So that's not helping China's cause. But despite the risks to its economy and reputation, China isn't backing down. After the break, we'll find out what new role China is trying to carve out for itself instead. Hey guys, Sami Zaydan here from Essential Middle East Podcast. This week on the show, we're going to look at unhealthy lifestyles in the Middle East and the ways to fight it. So check it out. I've been talking to Al Jazeera's Beijing correspondent Katrina Yu 
about China's self-described no-limits relationship with Russia. And even through a year of conflict, Katrina says, outwardly, there seems to be no regrets from the Chinese side. It's just the opposite. We've seen over the last few months, Beijing just dig its heels in when it comes to this relationship. We've heard so many different phrases. I think the most recent we've had is rock solid, Mm. that this is a rock solid friendship Mm. and that China is not moving, no matter how it looks that this will be an extended war or whether Russia seems to be losing or whatever. In fact, just before the one-year anniversary of the Ukraine invasion, while the U.S. president was in Kyiv, China sent its top diplomat, Wang Yi, to Moscow. There he met with Russian officials, including Vladimir Putin and Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Relations are mature and rock solid. China is willing to work with Russia to firmly defend respective national territories and national interests. What do we know about how the Chinese people feel about the war in Ukraine and how might they feel about their country becoming more involved? It's always difficult to know exactly what people in China think because China's social media is so tightly controlled and censored. We have to remember that China's state media is also controlling the narrative about how they're presenting this. They're not presenting this as an invasion of Ukraine. They're using the same language that Russia's state media is using. They're calling this Russia's special military operation. And when they report on this, they're not reporting on it as Russia is the aggressor. Right. So there are many people who do support Russia's effort in Ukraine. They buy the story that, you know, this is originally a part of Russia and it's within their rights to do this. And they want to see Russia succeed. So it's really difficult to see the complete picture. Although we do know state media is still very careful not to portray Russia as the bad guy, basically. And I think what is interesting as well is that now the conversation has evolved into what China is is getting from Russia, despite this being a huge reputational disaster Mm -hmm. for China's PR campaign in the global community. China does get a lot. So we talked about cheap oil and gas, which is crucial for China's energy security. But China also gets a peaceful northern border with a a neighbor where they've had a very complicated history. There has been fighting. So that's one big thing. China also gets this big international distraction. Suddenly, China is not, for the U.S., enemy or focus number one. It's actually quite convenient that the eyes of Europe and the eyes of the U.S. are on this fighting in Ukraine. It gives China a little more space or at least breathing room to to do what it likes in the South China Sea, around Taiwan, for example. And also, it gets Russia, this very solid and reliable friend in its corner when it comes to backing China at the UN over various issues, be it Xinjiang, Hong Kong, you name it. Mm. So they need each other. And that is also a marriage of convenience. So it's sort of you, my enemy of my enemy is my friend type situation here. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, when we talk about that relationship 
It's the same on the other side as well. The West has come out with strong words of support for Ukraine and has said that they will stand with Kyiv for as long as it takes. Based on what we see now, are all signs pointing to China also being ready to help Moscow for as long as it takes? I don't see China backing away from the support that it's already offered Moscow when it comes to trade, when it comes to moral support on the international stage. I don't think that is going to change. The question of whether China is going to deliberately aid Russia's invasion of Ukraine, that's a very complex calculation that President Xi Jinping will have to make. That doesn't mean that it's going to find some other way to maybe skirt around sanctions to maybe support Russia in every other way that it possibly can. But should it choose to go forward, I think that would be a really significant step with very real ramifications for China. China has also now come out with this 12-point proposal for how to negotiate peace. Beijing has presented a proposal to end the conflict, urging Ukraine and Russia to agree a ceasefire and hold peace talks as soon as possible. Beijing is calling for an end to Western sanctions on Russia, and it suggests creating humanitarian corridors for civilians, as well as steps to ensure grain can be safely exported from Ukraine. Did that surprise you? And do you think that China can or even wants to play a role as mediator? I think China definitely wants to play a role as mediator. You know, China uses every opportunity it can to criticize any efforts on the global stage that is led by the U.S. and specifically by U.S. partners. China says that that model does not take into account the different voices in the world, especially in the developing countries. And it definitely sees itself as more able to be a mediator than, say, the U.S., for example, because the U.S. is very directly aiding Ukraine, whereas China has said time and time again that it's neutral. But while it sounds nice on paper, Katrina says there's still a long way to go before China's peace plan can become a reality. What is problematic about this is there's no concrete steps, you know, It's like, yes, let's talk more. Right, great. But, you know, where do we go from there? It's kind of putting forward this, what China would like to see, but it's not the most practical solution. So China, for all its support of Russia, I think it's important to remember that Beijing very much has its own interests as well. And if anything, it's trying to make the most of this situation in Ukraine to pursue its own interests. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Miranda Lynn with Ashish Malhotra, Khaled Sultan, Nagin Oliai, Amy Walters, Chloe K. Lee, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Our engagement producers are Munira Al-Dosari and Adam Abugad. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back. 